All right, uh, good to see you this morning. How many of you stayed up late watching football? Quite a few of you did, yeah. How many of you did not get enough sleep last night? Yeah. I think I got about six hours. That works out. I'm looking forward to my nap today. And that's why we serve caffeine here on Sunday mornings, right? (laughs) Many of us, though, um, I mean, this happens any given night. can happen to anybody. But for a, a number of us, though, are chronically sleep deprived and of course this is typical of parents of newborns for example there's probably no way around it it's just going to be that way for that period of time but I find it's not only parents of newborns sometimes it's parents of teenagers that are sleep deprived I I heard of one uh, some parents who 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 let their 17 year old daughter you know she was going to go hang out with friends on a Friday night uh, but she had to be home by 1130 Now, before the parents went to bed, they set an alarm clock in the hallway outside their bedroom for 1130, and it was her responsibility to get home in time to shut off that alarm before it came and woke up her parents. And that's how mom and dad worried less and slept more. I remember years ago, uh, a farmer in my church uh, named Norm Norm always had a ready smile on his face and always wore his, his bib overalls. And the first time I met Norm, he came up to me and he said, You know, if you took all the people who sleep in church and you put them end to end, they'd be a lot more comfortable. <laughs> he had a point, you know. How many of you have ever nodded off in one of my sermons? Don't raise your hand. But I feel for you because the same thing happens to me when I'm writing my sermons. (laughs) That's kind of a scary feeling, isn't it? A whole lot of us are sleep-deprived. According to the Centers for Disease Control, more than a third of Americans are not getting enough sleep on a regular basis. Individual sleep needs may vary, but on average, on average, adults need at least seven hours of sleep each night and I seem to be going through a phase in my life uh, where I might need just a little more than that Uh, and what happens though when you're sleep deprived well uh, it causes unsafe driving there are a hundred thousand fatigue related accidents every year it causes accidents and injuries at work it makes it harder to learn concentrate and uh, solve problems. It puts you at higher risk for heart disease, high blood pressure, stroke, and type 2 diabetes. It contributes to depression. It makes your skin age faster. It makes you forgetful. It makes you gain excess weight. It makes you die younger. And, it, and to top it all off, it impairs your judgment, especially about how well you think you're doing without enough sleep. But today is not just about sleep. Today is about rest. Rest is written into the universe. The opening page of the Bible, what happens? God creates the heavens and the earth in six days. And today I'm not going to get into whether, you know, those were 24-hour days or not. But then what happens on the seventh day? God rests. That's kind of odd, isn't it? God rests. I mean, why? God doesn't get tired. God chooses 
to rest. And you and I are made in God's image, so we were made for rest. Rest is built into the rhythms of creation. That's why we have day and night, summer and winter. Think about music. Music is not just about the notes. It's also about the rests. Dun, 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 dun. Rest. Dun, dun. It's no good without the rest. It doesn't work without the rest. Rest gives rests give notes their meaning. Runners getting ready for a race. They don't run every day. You cannot run every day and be at your best. That's why runners schedule rest days into their training regimen. Now, some people never get a day of rest. Do you know what they're called? Slaves. You thought I was going to say moms, didn't you? Think about that one for a while. When the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, every day was the same. There, there was no rest from their labor. I mean, there was no need for a calendar because, you know, today's going to be like yesterday and tomorrow's just going to be just like today. Life is meaningless when you're turned into a working machine. And then God set them free. Moses led them to Mount Sinai. The Lord invited them to be his covenant people. And part of this covenant relationship with God was to set apart the seventh day and make it holy. No work on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a command, but it was also a gift. It reminded them, remember, you're no longer slaves. And by honoring the Sabbath, they became it's like life changed. They became more grateful. Um, and of course, their servants got the seventh day off. And, and even their beasts of burden took a break that day. And then you zoom forward to the first century AD. Uh, non Jewish Christians then began to uh, honor the first day instead of the seventh day. Why? Because. The first day of the week is when Jesus rose from the dead. So as Christians, I don't believe that we are bound to the letter of the law of the seventh-day Sabbath, but the gift of the Sabbath, the gift of the Sabbath remains, the gift of rest. So I say this, rest is a gift from God. Receive the gift. Will you say that with me? Rest is a gift from God. Receive the gift. You remember that, that famous 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd. In the NIV it says, I lack nothing. And then it says, he makes me what? Lie down in green pastures. Picture that flock. On that green pasture there, they've just eaten their fill. They are full and they are ready for a nap. And Jesus is my shepherd, so I know he gives me time to rest. I remember years ago, I, one day I went out for a walk. I, I, I went out just because, you know, I needed to relax and de-stress a little bit. And, and sometimes at that point in my life, it was particularly a challenge. And so I just, I mean, I wasn't in a hurry, 
I wasn't, didn't have a destination. I was just going for a walk. And after walking for 20 or 30 minutes, I, I saw a, a park bench uh, overlooking a pond in that neighborhood. And it was early afternoon, uh, and ducks uh, had, had gathered uh, on the other side of the pond, and they were just sitting there in the grass, just resting. But one duck was not. It was all by itself in the water, furiously diving, coming back up and diving, looking for food. And as far as I could tell, it didn't seem like it was having much success. So here I am, just sitting on that bench, taking all this in. It's a beautiful day. I'm in no hurry. I'm relaxing, overlooking the pond. And then it comes to me how often in my life I am like that duck on the water. When it's time to rest, instead of doing that, I'm still furiously working. If not physically, then mentally. My motor doesn't shut off. And, and, and I'm, I'm like that duck. I'm missing out on the rest that I was made for. Jesus didn't say I had to go, go, go all the time. Jesus didn't say I had to do, do, do 18 hours a day. So why do I expect it of myself? Uh, please open your Bible to Matthew chapter 11, the, the passage that Kay just read for us earlier. We're going to start with verse 27. Pew Bible, it starts on page 976. And uh, for those of you who showed up today, you're new here, maybe you said, I, I don't know about church and Bible, but if you don't own a Bible, then take this pew Bible home, will you? Take it home, you can keep it, and you say, well, where do I start reading? Well, even this gospel we're reading today from Matthew, start there. It's one of, it's one of the four biographies in the Bible about Jesus. And then starting next Sunday, uh, we're going to have a fall series where we go through Jesus' most famous teaching, the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Now, in today's passage, at the end of chapter 11, Jesus is contrasted with the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were a fraternity of men who believed that, who believed, uh, that strict adherence to every detail of the law plus a whole bunch more rules laid, uh, layered on by their teachers, that was the only way to gain God's acceptance. And it was a heavy burden to bear. For example, if you were, you know, walking along the edge of a grain field, it was okay to kind of swipe and run your fingers through the heads of grain and pluck a few. And, and I remember doing that in wheat fields when I was a kid. And, and then you take your hand and you rub the chaff off, you know. And then you munch on a few. It didn't taste very good. But, you know, I mean, it was something to chew on, and, and uh, I guess it, if you were a little hungry, it might help. And, uh, and so, the, so you could do that, but the Pharisees said if it was the Sabbath, you could not do it because that's harvesting. I'm going, that's harvesting? Scooping up a few of my fingers? And, but they said you could, and then, and then they had, uh, there was another rule that said it was a sin to walk more than two-thirds of a mile. I thought, well, who came up with that? It was like so many steps you could take. And then they added a whole bunch more rules to that. There were so many rules, there was no way for the average person to keep track of it all. And then Jesus comes along and says that he knows God 
the way a son knows his father. So if you look in verse 27, he says, All things have been committed to me by my father. No one knows the son except the father, and no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. And that, that Greek word that's translated reveal is that word, is, is the Greek word is apocalypse, which kind of makes us think that it's something dramatic, sudden, earth-shattering. Jesus the Son reveals to us the Father's heart. And what does he reveal? Well, lean in close because Jesus is not shouting. Verse 28, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy burdened, and say the rest with me, will you? And I will give you rest. How many of you uh, feel weary from expectations that are placed upon you? Jesus says, come to me, and I will give you rest. How many of you feel burdened trying to please everybody else? Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. How many of you feel weighed down because it never, you just never feel like you could ever do enough? Jesus says, come to me, and I will give you rest. The Jewish laws and rules became a heavy yoke around the people's necks, like the yoke oxen wear when they're pulling the plow. You've got to strain to pull that massive load. But Jesus says, that's not what God expects. So we look in verse tw verses 29 and 30. He says, here, take my yoke upon you. Don't take their yoke. Take my yoke and learn from me. So he's saying, be my disciple. Don't, don't be their disciple. Be my disciple and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find what? Let's say it together. Rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Let me say, if, you, if it seems like you almost always have an impossibly long list of things to do, Jesus did not give you that list. If you're so busy that it seems like you never have enough time to rest, I don't believe your busyness comes from him. When you learn from Jesus, you will find rest for your soul. When you learn from Jesus, you will find rest for your soul. A few chapters before this, uh, Jesus heals uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law. She had been sick in bed with a fever. And then word kind of gets out about it in town. And so everybody from the town shows up at Simon's door, uh, you know, with their sick relatives so Jesus can heal them. And it's evening, and it seems like, boy, it probably went late into the evening, and I'm not sure Jesus got much sleep that night. And then what seems to be like probably the next day, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, let's get in the boat and go on the other side of the lake. And then while they're out on the lake, suddenly a, a furious storm just kind of sneaks up and comes upon them so much so that the, the waves are, are starting to splash inside the boat. And then, where's Jesus? He's in the back of the boat, sleeping. 
Now, there's a whole lot you could mine from this Bible story, this passage. But I just simply want to say that uh, Jesus took naps. Right? Isn't that what it says? I mean, he's just taking a nap. Jesus took his work very seriously. Sometimes it was very demanding, but he did not have superhuman stamina. He got tired. And when he got tired, he rested. But of course, we need more than physical rest. We need what Jesus calls soul rest. Jesus said that when we learn from him, we will find rest for our souls. And that happens when we practice silence, which is taking time to rest in the presence of God. Okay, let's say that uh, you've been watching TV for several hours, like, you know, last night, whatever. And, uh, you know, you're watching sports or you're vegging, you know, binging on Netflix or something like that. Anyway, and, and, you, and you turn off the TV. This happened last night at our house. You turn off the TV, and for that first couple of seconds, you just kind of note how quiet it sounds, don't you? You know that experience? And it's, it's a little bit shocking to hear that quiet. And then if you listen closely, you start to hear things that you had not heard all day. The hum of the furnace blower. Maybe the a train and in the distance. Crickets chirping outside. You see, when you practice silence, when you rest in the presence of God, you start to hear things you didn't hear before. Now, you may hear from God, but I also think that in those moments, those healing silence times, God also may allows us to hear ourselves, to hear our souls. If you get quiet long enough, you'll begin to hear from your soul, that deepest part of you, that, that true self that so often uh, is buried beneath your busyness. And that's kind of what happened to me when I was sitting on that, that bench and watching those ducks. I got in touch with a deep part of myself that at least at that time was not being listened to. Some things you will only hear when you practice silence. I'd like to ask Holly Timberlake to come on up. A lot of you know Holly. She's our Director of Adult and Family Discipleship. And if any of you are interested in a group, let's say one of our faith groups or um, uh, Financial Peace University or uh, what's the other one? Purpose-driven Purpose life. life. Then Holly is your go-to person about that, and and uh, we love that. So anyway, uh, a few weeks ago, Holly and I got in a little conversation about um, about this, about practicing silence, about being in the presence of God, and it seems like you've kind of you've been learning. So what have, what have you been learning along the way? Uh, okay, so for a day of rest, the struggle is real. Yeah. Um, I have found um, that stopping, um, stop striving, stop trying to perform. I love to work. 
enjoy work, but I need to stop. And um, I also need to have a plan, um, some sort of plan of action. Oftentimes means getting out of the house because my house tells me to do stuff. Um, so I have does, to, it? yeah, it, it yells at me. Yeah. So I w go for a walk or do something like that um, to get out of the house and get out of my head. Um, I also have people that hold me accountable for this. Oh, yeah. um, so it, it's important for me to, with different seasons, I find that it's more of a struggle mm -hmm. to rest. Yeah. And uh, I know one of the things that you've been uh, championing here lately is uh, offering a, spirit or a silent retreat, which you've done before. Uh, so we've got one coming up. Tell us about, about that. We have a silent retreat coming up on September 29th and 30th. It's almost 24 hours, and it's at St. Benedict's, which is a wonderful facility about an hour north of here. And it's an opportunity for you to spend time um, with God and get quiet enough. I find when I go, I usually leave with 20 things on my head to talk to God about and to think about. And on my way back, I usually have one thing and a lot of oh. peace. Yeah, so it kind of takes you from chaos and confusion and it brings it to some clarity then. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, so... Uh, if somebody's interested in that, is it like a Friday and Saturday, right? It's so a Friday and Saturday. When does it start, kind of? It starts about 4.30 on a Friday afternoon if you want to get out there early. Um, but you can come later if that works for your schedule with work. And um, it ends, we debrief about 2 on Saturday. And then about 3, you can head back to Omaha or stay for a little okay. bit longer if you want. Now, Leah said that... that she thinks that camping is restful, which I, it makes no sense to me at all. But we, you know, we won't be, we wouldn't be, you wouldn't no, be camping, right? Um, I forgot to mention, uh, it's a very nice facility. You get your own room, shower. It's, it's a very nice facility. There's also um, places to walk around and see the lake. There's also library. It's very comfortable, so. So will it be silent the, the whole time? No, we, uh, we talk during the meals. Okay. So it's silent except for meal you've time. got three meals. You've got dinner one day and then breakfast and lunch after that. So That's right, and the debriefing time. So. And the debriefing time, so yeah. So, yeah. All right, so it's not too uh, cold turkey. Uh, it is silent, but. Yeah, plenty of silence, <laughs> right, though, too. Right, right, right. Okay, thanks, Holly. Thanks. All right, thank you. Um, now, yay. Now, you're saying, well, I don't need to go on a retreat. I could use this do my, on my own, right? Yeah, but you won't, right? And you know why? Because we avoid silence. We avoid being alone. Maybe because we avoid God that much, but also I think we, we avoid being alone with ourselves. Avoid being alone with our thoughts. Avoid not having things to do. You, anyway, I wanted to end with a little demonstration here today. Um, all right, I got you, you see, I've got a candle here. Try again here. Okay. Ah. Come now. I don't know if it's going to make it or not. 
All right, now this is, as you can see, this is one honking candle. This candle, this candle would burn for a long time. This is a good church candle. And uh, you, could, you could have a lot of Sunday services, and this would be like, we have oil candles there, so uh, they don't go down. But this would go down, and, and uh, it's, it's meant so it doesn't drip too badly either, so it just kind of burns straight down. And, and, uh, and you can see, there we go. Um, but anyway, I was thinking about that, that phrase sometimes about, you, you say somebody is burning the candle at both ends. And I've, I've always kind of wondered what that meant. And so I had this little theory, well, maybe it means that you get up real early in the morning and you stay up late at night. And so, oops, I dripped a little on myself. So um, you, are, you are burning the candle at both ends of the day, right? Did that make any sense? Well, I did a little research and found that's totally wrong. <laughs> uh, it actually means literally burning a candle on on both ends so I'm gonna do that here here we go and I found out that it comes from a uh, a French uh, phrase back in the 1600s um, and uh, now, you know, it's kind of cool. You, you get two flames instead of one. But I, I'm, you may not be able to see it from here, but the wax is just dripping off of both sides, both ends. So if I burn the candle on both ends, it's not going to last very long, is it? And so it became a symbol of our lives without rest. Um, a symbol of what it means if you are just working all the time or even playing all the time, but you're not getting... You're playing hard or working hard, but you're not getting enough rest. You are burning the candle at both ends. It's kind of like the original way of talking about burnout. And uh, so I think what this tells me is that I can't sustain it. I'm not going to last if I don't get enough rest. Because that's not what I'm made for. God rested on the seventh day. God set the patterns of, of day and night. God set up these rhythms of our lives for us. 